to take just a moment now. We're not going to ask him for anything in this prayer. We're just going to lift our voice and worship him. Lord Jesus, thank you that you thought we were worthy enough to die for. <clears throat> thank you that you saw value in us when we didn't see value in ourselves or others didn't see value in us. You saw value in us. Thank you for how good you've been to us. We can say that and express that, but the truth is, Lord, it's inadequate. Our story of testimony, we don't have vocabulary enough to adequately worship and thank you. But as an expression of our heart, the best we can, we lift our voice now and we honor your presence and we bless your name. And we give you thanks. In the mighty name of Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. In the Lord good? Amen. Just you may be seated. And as you're seated, after you're seated, let's just give the Lord another clap off and praise now. Let's just worship him together. Let me take a few moments to say thank you to, to the musicians and the singers who came from the region and led us in worship. I feel like I've been led into the presence of the Lord. We didn't just sing, we had worship, amen? So thank you to all those folks who helped make that possible tonight. And when I look out of the congregation and see my friends, pastors from this region who took the time to be here, uh, you make me proud that you would do that. And I know you make Pastor Travis Gore proud that you would uh, participate in this one night district revival. My prayer is that the Holy Spirit does something that really has a reviving effect. And the way that we'll know that that happens is what we receive tonight doesn't just end tonight. It perpetuates oh, come on. beyond our time together. So I want you know how thrilled I am to see you. And, and I've got a chance to say hello to some of you. If I don't, before you leave, let, let us do that before you go. And one more time, Pastor Gore, let me say thank you for given the invitation to come. I started to say, come back home. I can't say that because I'm from Tennessee, but you know what I mean, come back home. So what a wonderful day to be here with you and this church and then see so many of you in this district and region. So thankful for that. Now it's Sunday night. Now here's what I know. If you come to church on Sunday night, you're a church person. You're probably a Jesus person. You're probably a Christian. Matter of fact, if if you're not a Christian, you're in the wrong place tonight because there's so many of us here, it's going to get, it's going to intimidate you. We're going to believe you're going to get prayed through to Jesus before you leave this evening. Now, I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek, but here's the truth. When I prayed about our time together tonight, I really felt the Lord specifically, and I don't just say that, specifically directed me to preach what I'm going to preach tonight. Take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3 Luke, the Gospel of Luke, there's more references to Jesus praying in the Gospel of Luke than all of the other Gospels combined. Matter of fact, in Luke chapter 3, what we're going to read in just a moment is the first recorded instance of Jesus praying in the Scripture. If you study Scripture and interpretation of Scripture and 
all of that stuff that you learn in seminary, hopefully. There's a principle called the law of first mention. And that principle of law of first mention says that when something is mentioned for the first time, it gives you great insight into everything else that it, for every other occasion that it's mentioned later. And I draw that to your attention because in Luke chapter 3 is the first, I said a moment ago, the first recorded instance of Jesus praying in the Scripture. Matter of fact, Luke is the only gospel writer that records what we're going to read. And it's at the occasion of Jesus' baptism at Jordan by John. And in Luke chapter 3, verse 21, here's what the Bible says. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. Watch this. And while he prayed. Say that with me. And while he he prayed. Do it again. I want you to get this. And while he prayed. He's praying at his baptism. And as a result of his prayer, the Bible says three things happened. The heaven was open. The Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And the third thing is a voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. And I want to preach tonight because I'm going to challenge you to do something. When you leave tonight, I didn't give it to you beforehand because I know what you'll do. You'll look at it the whole time I'm preaching. But when you leave tonight, I've asked the ushers to give every one of you this little prayer card. Seven days of prayer. And I want to challenge you from the Scripture with the help of the Holy Spirit confirming what I'm going to say. And I want to give you this prayer guide. You say, well, Bishop, I've been praying a long time. I don't need a guide. Then give it to somebody who does. I don't care. But I want you to pray, but I want you to pray very specifically. That's why I'm giving it to you. Three very specific things over the next seven days I'm going to ask you to pray. Now, I'm not going to monitor it. It's impossible. I'm not going to ask all the pastors here, did your people that came Sunday night, did they really pray for seven days? Because they don't know either. But I really sense in my heart that these next seven days can be so powerfully significant in your life as a result of praying the very three things that happened the first time that Jesus prayed in the Scripture. So now I'm going to pray before I preach, and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to help me to preach, ask Him to help you to receive that what He wants to do in our life tonight in this district one-night revival service really would have an ongoing spiritual renewal effect in our life. Let's pray. Father, You knew who was going to be here. You know what Your will for all of us are personally and corporately as your church. With simplicity of faith, I just believe that you directed me to preach what I'm going to preach. But here's what I know. Holy Spirit, I need you to help me to preach. With that enabling that makes preaching easy, enjoyable, and effective. That your will for our life, not just this service, but for our life will be accomplished. 
And I believe you for that. And I come into agreement tonight with this congregation. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Amen. Now, let me tell you why this is important here in Luke chapter 3. Not only because it's the first recorded instance of Jesus praying, but this marks a transition in his life and ministry. As soon as Jesus is baptized, he's going to be led by the Spirit into the wilderness to encounter 40 days of spiritual testing. He's going to come out of the wilderness. The Bible says, if you read it later in the book of Luke, he's going to come out of the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit, and he's going to begin his public ministry. It was a transition point in his life. Now, here's what I had a sense of, and I know this is subjective, but I'm just going to say it. I had a sense that tonight I'm preaching to some of you that are in a transition phase of your life and ministry. Some of you are aware that you're in that transition phase. Others of you, it quite hasn't got hold of you yet that I'm going through a shift in the season of my life. Matter of fact, let me just kind of take a moment and sidetrack from this. And The Bible term for change and transition in the life of the believer found in Scripture is the word seasons. Now, I, I hate it when when people talk about seasons on one hand because it's kind of generic and kind of uh, generalized and, and uh, when people want to give you words from the Lord, and I, and I believe in that, so I have to be careful here, um, they'll use generic things like you're entering into a new season. And sometimes you are and sometimes you may not be. But as I was praying about our time together, I really had a sense that there are some tonight in this service from this region. You know you're, you're in a transition. You know, like Jesus, your life is fixing to change from, from one season to the next. And let me give you three ways that, that you can typically identify that you're transitioning into a new season. I don't like any of them. Let's see if you do. One of the ways that you know you're transitioning from one season to another is because you encounter a lot of interruptions. You've got, you may be a planner and you've got your plan worked out. Step one, step two, step three, step four, step five, and all of a sudden, all of your plans are being interrupted. It might be an indication that you're fixing a transition into a new season. Here's another way that sometimes you know you're going into a new season. Not only interruptions, but inconveniences. You start encountering one problem after another problem after another problem. And a matter of fact, you could even testify that your, lo- your life could be called Murphy's Law. If it could go wrong, it does go wrong. And some of you are saying, what in the world is happening in my life. Well, all of those inconveniences, all of those problems are sometimes an indication that you're going into a new season. He's changing something in your life. So, interruptions, your plans get messed up. Inconveniences, all kind of problems. And here's a third thing, irritations. And irritations usually has people attached to it. I have to confess to you that sometimes God uses people as heavenly sandpaper to rub, to rub off the rough edges of my life. 
And the challenge of that is, I like my rough edges. Leave them alone. I don't know if you can identify with any of those three. It may be something that I haven't mentioned, but typically, when you're fixing to go through a shift, a transition in your life, in your ministry, in some area that's significant to you, you start having these irritations, these inconveniences, and these irritations. And you think, what in the world is happening? Jesus, I mean, Jesus is fixing to face one of the greatest irritants I know, the devil. Jesus is, is fixing to encounter his, begin his public ministry. And listen, and here's what he starts doing. He starts dealing with problems and people from a get-go and starts doing ministry and working miracles and teaching the Word. It's all about that. Here's what I'm telling you. I had a sense that as I prayed about our time together, the Lord said there's some people here in this service that you're in a seasonal shift, a transition in your life. And so I want you to, to hear what I believe the Lord is saying to us tonight. When Jesus prayed, the first prayer in Luke 3, three things happened. It says it here in verse 21. Very clearly, the Bible said the heavens opened. Now, I'm not going to take the time tonight, but if you look up the phrase open heaven in Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, there's multiple references to an open heaven. And let me just kind of summarize it and generalize it like this. An open heaven in Scripture represents blessing. An open heaven in Scripture represents blessing. It means there's an open heaven. Heaven is coming to earth. Blessing. Everybody say that with me. Blessing. So when Jesus prayed, heaven opened. The second thing that happened is that the Holy Spirit came. The Bible says he came in bodily form like a dove and rested upon him. And I find it interesting that the Holy Spirit is preeminent in the writings of Luke. And Luke penned not only this gospel that we read, but also the book of Acts. And the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus as he is baptized and as he prays. And it's the beginning point of his public ministry. And he's empowered for ministry for his assignment. Here's what I know is prayer is key to the Holy Spirit in my life. So heaven opened, the Holy Spirit came, and then the Father spoke. And the Father spoke and he said, this is my son whom I love, in him I'm well pleased. Now I wanted to show you something I'd never seen before, and then I'm going to talk about praying these three things. I saw something recently reading this passage I had never seen before. When, when the Father spoke this word of affirmation, this is my son whom, I'm, whom I love and whom I'm well pleased, it was a word of affirmation and a word of confirmation about him being the Messiah, the Son of God. It was spoken just before he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to begin 40 days of spiritual warfare. Now, what's important is when the Father spoke and what he said. He spoke just before he encountered these 40 days of spiritual warfare. And he said, this is my son whom I'm loved and whom I'm well pleased. Now, what I want you to see here is this, is that prayer is key to hearing from God. Matter of fact, I'll say it like this. I don't know anybody who hears from God who doesn't pray. So let me summarize these three things that happened when Jesus prayed, and so you'll see how important they are. When Jesus prayed... Heaven open. I don't know anybody who experiences an open heaven blessing in their life that doesn't pray. Matter of fact, I'll say it like this. If we don't pray, we won't be blessed. 
That's pretty simple, isn't it? I don't know anybody that has the reality of the Holy Spirit coming in and working through their life who doesn't pray. Prayer is central to the Holy Spirit. I don't know anybody that hears from God who doesn't pray. Because one of the things about prayer is prayer is a dialogue, not a monologue. So here's what I ask you to do. When you leave tonight, you're going to get this little prayer card. It's just simply a tool to guide you, and I'm going to challenge you for the next seven days to pray the very three things that happened when Jesus prayed this first time in Luke 3, to pray those for the next seven days in your life. You say, well, Bishop, when do I pray? Pray when you're at your best. If you're a morning person, pray in the morning. If you're a night person, pray at night. If you're an afternoon person, pray then. When you pray is irrelevant, just but pray when you can give God your full attention. Now, listen, don't do what some people say. They say, well, Bishop, I drive while I, I pray while I drive. If you drive like me, you need to pray while you drive. But the problem about praying when you drive is you, really, you can't give God your full attention because you've got to look out for everybody else. So whenever you pray, I don't care when you pray, but for the next seven days, starting tomorrow, Monday morning, for the next seven days, I challenge you to pray the three things that Jesus saw happen in his life the first time he prayed. Here's what we're talking about. When you pray, I want to challenge you to ask God for an open heaven. Simply what that means is say, God, I want you to bless my life, bless my family, and bless my ministry. Now you say, Bishop, is it okay to pray that way? It is. Now, if that's the only way you pray, you've got a problem. But it's okay to pray that way. As a matter of fact, James said this, you have not because you ask not. Here's what I'll tell you. I want an open heaven over my life. I want God to bless me. I want God to bless my family. I want God to bless my ministry. And I'm confident to know that one of the ways that, that guarantees his blessing is to pray. So here's what I want to ask you to do. You say, well, Bishop, that's hard for me. It seems so selfish. Well, for these next seven days, you may pray other ways, but pray this way. Pray, God, I want an open heaven over my life. God, I want you to bless me. Let me just ask you, how many want God to bless you? He won't bless you if you don't pray. And some of his blessings he will not give you if you don't ask him. So simply say, God, I want an open heaven over my life. I want you to bless me. Now, I'm going to do something. It's just us. I'm going to take my coat off. A little warm up here. Thanks, Pastor. So, God, I want an open heaven. I want you to bless my life. As you pray that way over the next seven days, the Holy Spirit may lead you into very specific things that he wants to bless you in. Maybe he'll pray about blessing you physically, and, and you'll begin to pray that way. Maybe he'll pray about he wants to bless you financially or bless you relationally or bless you vocationally. But as you begin to pray, God, I want an open heaven. Bless my life. Do not be surprised over the course of the next seven days that the Holy Spirit doesn't very specifically lead you into praying some very specific ways that God can and bless your life. You have not because you ask not. I want him to bless my life. Listen, my wife's here. I want him to bless her. One of the most important things a spouse can do for their companion is to pray for them. Now, not pray God kill them or God anoint me to do that. But one of the most powerful things you can do is pray for your spouse. 
I want God to bless Wendy. So for the next seven days, I'm going to join with you and pray, Oh, God, give Wendy an open heaven. Bless her life. I got two children. Listen, I want God to bless my children. You want God to bless your children? Now listen, there's some blessings that will come no other way but prayer. Matter of fact, here's what you'll find. You'll find what I call prophetic parental prayer. As you begin to pray for God to bless your children, he may lead you by the Holy Spirit to pray some things that don't make a lot of sense to you. For example, you may pray, God bless, bless my son who's away from you and in about three or four days in you start praying for his ministry you think Lord why am I praying for his ministry he doesn't even walk in a relationship with you but you see what you're doing is you're setting yourself in agreement with the Holy Spirit who knows what the will of the Father is and you're praying about where they are and God's praying about where they can be you're praying about what they're doing and God's praying about what they can do here's what I'm saying to you as you begin to pray God give us an open heaven bless my life bless my wife bless my children you'll have no idea how the Holy Spirit may move supernaturally naturally to lead you begin to pray. Here's what I know. Sometimes we need to preach less and pray more. So you're going to pray for the next seven days, God, give us an open heaven in my family. God, give me an open heaven over my life, over my, over my spouse, over my children. God, give me an open heaven over my ministry. Because here's what you know if you're here on a Sunday night. You know you may not realize the full extent of it, but you know that every child of God, every believer has a ministry. You may know what that ministry is. You may be in the early stages of discovery. But as you begin to pray, God bless my ministry, he begins to give revelation of understanding of what that is. He begins to prepare you for an enablement of the Holy Spirit to be more effective. He begins to show you how he can use you in a greater, greater kind of way. Here's what I'm saying. Over the next seven days, as you begin to pray, God, give me an open heaven over my life, over my family over my ministry you're aligning yourself with the God of heaven so that his will can be done on in your life on earth as it is in heaven and make no mistake about it God has a will for your life not just in general not just for the year not just for the month but you know tomorrow morning when you wake up God says I've got something I've got want to do in and through with your life tomorrow hallelujah so here's what we're going to do. The power of this service tonight is not what happens here alone. The power of this service is as we begin to pray, we begin to say just like Lord Jesus when you prayed the first recorded prayer in Luke chapter 3, the heaven opened. Oh, God, open the heaven over my life. Open the heaven over my family. Open the heaven over my ministry. God, I want you to bless my life, my family, and my ministry and just see what you, God does as you ask him to do that. Now watch this. Not only are we going to pray for an open heaven, but we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. Now I know I'm at a Pentecostal church. I'm preaching, pe preaching to people who understand what it means to be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, but don't be offended. But here's what I also know. I, I'm a classical Pentecostal. I, 
I believe in speaking in tongues. I do it every day of my life. I believe, listen, I don't care if you're a classical Pentecostal or you call yourself a charismatic and you have a prayer language. The terminology is irrelevant. But here's what I know. I'm preaching to people who believe that the, the Holy Spirit is a wonderful gift that can come from the Father into your life. But here's what I also know. If we're not careful, we'll relegate the Holy Spirit to being an experience and not a relationship. You see, we believe in God, one God existing in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I, I've got a relationship with God the Father. I've got a relationship with God the Son, and I need a relationship with God the Holy Ghost just like I need a relationship with the Father and Son. I need to know the Holy Spirit relationally. I don't need to know him as an experience. I need to know him as the third person of the Godhead who, who empowers my life to do the will of the Father in the authority of the name of the Son and to do what I am called to do while I'm living on this earth. I've got to have any relationship with the Holy Spirit. There is no substitute for that in my life. Now, here's what happens. When the Holy Spirit comes, ministry and miracles happen. Did you know that there's at least 12 different ministries of the Holy Spirit that's, that's mentioned in Scripture? I won't take time to give you all of them, but there are all 12 of them. But I want to tell you a story. When I was pastoring in Florida years ago, I was in a restaurant having lunch. It was a very popular restaurant. The food was really good, so I went quite often. And it was a full restaurant that day, and I was sitting with an evangelist, and you know, sometimes evangelists can be loud. And so we were talking, and the people sitting at the table next to us overheard us talking, and we were talking about the Holy Spirit. We were talking about the the Holy Spirit uh, and being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so this guy sitting at the next table, he got up and came over to our table and he says, excuse me, sir, uh, I go to this church and God's doing some wonderful things and, and I have yet to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and I really desire for the Holy Spirit to fill my life. And, and so as he's, as he's talking to us, the Holy Spirit starts talking to me and he says, pray for him. And I'm kind of talking back to God in my mind, and I'm saying, you know, not right here. This restaurant's full. I don't want to embarrass him, God. You know what I was really saying, don't you? I don't want to be embarrassed. And so the Holy Spirit just kept persisting. And so finally, the guy's name is Fred. I won't tell you his last name. I said, uh, Fred, I said, uh, I just want to pray for you right here. I feel like the Lord wants you to just pray for you. And so I won't embarrass you. Here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to leave my eyes open, and I'm just going to put my hand on your arm. So if anybody's looking, they won't know anything's happening. And I'm just going to pray a simple prayer. I'll never forget it, Pastor. Here's exactly what I said. I just prayed this prayer, and I said, come up on him, Holy Spirit. Come up on him. And to my great surprise, that's exactly what happened. Matter of fact, the advances I had with me said, uh, if you don't stop, he's going to be slaying the Spirit. If you don't stop, he's going to be slaying the Spirit. And then he said, pray for me, pray for me. <laughs> now, the reason I tell you that story, that's never happened before or since. But the reason I tell you that story is this. We have the tendency to restrict the Holy Spirit 
to one expression, and that's tongues, which is very important, and to one place, that's the church. But we invite the Holy Spirit to come. Just come however he wants to. Here's what happens. Then every day in every place can be a day and a place where God does ministry and miracles. Matter of fact, if the church is the only place we're experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit, something's wrong. Did you hear that? If the church is the only place we're experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit, something's wrong. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray for the next seven days. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and fill my life. Come and come into my life however you want to, Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm just saying I want you to come. Listen, I, I don't know how, what that may look like for you. I don't know what that, how that may manifest itself. But here's what I want you to know. You, you, when you ask him to come, he will honor that request. And he will come in his power. He will come in his presence. And he will come and fill your life. And he will come and anoint you. He may come in a way that you've never seen before. You may experience something in, in the spirit of God that you've never experienced before. But here's what I know. If we've ever needed the Holy Spirit to come and to touch us and to fill us and be a part of our life, we need him right now like we've never needed him before. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, I pray. Come, sweet Spirit. Come in your own special and gentle way. Come, Holy Spirit. Now, I know I'm preaching to Pentecostal people, but here's what I know. If we're not careful, we'll relegate the Holy Spirit to a past experience or to days of history, but we don't have a reality of his presence in our life. So I want you to do something with me right now. I want you to practice this right now, and we're just going to simply pray this three-word prayer or two-word prayer. Come, Holy Spirit. Are you ready? Come, Holy Spirit. That's it. As Jesus prayed, the Holy Spirit came in bodily form, descend upon him like a dove. Come, Holy Spirit. Come however you want to, in whatever way. One of the funniest things, one of the cutest stories I ever heard in my last church, the, when I was there the last couple of years, we had as many people filled with the Holy Spirit outside the church as we did in the church. When you start reaching people who don't know anything about God, church, or Pentecost, they don't know that you can only receive the Holy Spirit on Sunday in church. One of the funniest stories is that uh, we had this uh, we had this couple in our church who got saved and and they owned a little convenience store in the little town where we pastored and and so one Saturday morning the, the lady called me she said pastor did God tell you I said did God tell me what did, did God tell you well, what what did did God not I said listen I've been so busy talking to his people I haven't had time to talk to him why don't you tell me she said well, here's here's the deal, pastor. I was standing behind the ice cream counter. I had just waited on a customer as they were leaving. I got to leaving. I got to thinking about how good the Lord had been to me. And I just started thanking him for saving me and being good to me. And for the next thing I knew, I started speaking in tongues. And, Pastor, I was filled with the Holy Ghost right behind the ice cream counter. That's kind of cute, but I love it. Here's what I'm telling you. When you, for the next seven days, say, come, Holy Spirit. 
Come however you want to, whenever you want to. I just know you this. I need you, Holy Spirit, in my life. Holy Spirit, I want you in my life like I have never wanted you before. Come, Holy Spirit. And here's what I promise you. He will come in his strength, and he will come in his power, and he will come into our life, and he will do whatever. Listen, what we need done and what the Father wants to do in us and through us and with us. Come, Holy Spirit. All right, heaven open, blessing. We're going to pray, Lord, bless me. It's the nature of our God to bless his children. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. And then the third thing happened here. Ask the Father to speak to you. You know this, but God's still speaking. Matter of fact, I know you know this, but prayer is, prayer is not a dialogue, or it's a monologue, it's a dialogue. If we're not careful, what we'll do about prayer is we'll run into the place of prayer, we'll tell God everything we want to tell Him, and then we'll get up and go on our way. I was preaching like this, Pastor, years ago in a very small rural church, and, and uh, the church was a fraction of this size. It was an old classical church building, Shotgun kind of approach, had one middle aisle, two, two sets of pews, one on the right, one on the left, and I'm preaching, and, and I know I'm stretching them. First of all, they wasn't sure I was saved because I had a beard. In some places, that's a big deal. And so it was one of those kind of rural, conservative places, and I, they were already wasn't too sure about me. And I'm preaching about, about, about uh, God speaking and about... Uh, being quiet in his presence. And as I'm preaching, the Holy Spirit says, practice what you're preaching. And I'm thinking, God, don't you know who I'm preaching to? They already have suspect about me because of the way I look, and now you want me to, to do this? So finally I gave in, and I said, all right, here's what we're going to do. How many aware of the presence of the Lord is here? And God was there in a powerful way, and they all raised their hand. I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to spend 60 seconds of silence in the presence of God. Now, listen, Pentecostals, silence makes us nervous, doesn't it? So I got my watch out, and I said, we're going to time it. We're going to just be quiet in his presence. And I said, here's what's going to happen. God's going to speak to some of you. So I'm, in my mind, I'll be honest with you, I'm praying, oh, God, oh, God, please do that. Please, please just do what I just said. Speak to him like I. So about 30 seconds in. About 45 seconds in, I notice a loud commotion in this little rural church. It's the oldest member in the church. And she's really just kind of carrying on. So I didn't do anything until the minute stopped. And at the minute stopped, I said, what is happening back there? And she said, it happened. It really happened. Well, what happened? She said, God spoke to me. Now, here's the tragedy. For the first time in my life, God spoke to me. It might have been because it's the first time in her life she gave him an opportunity. There's a man by the name of Ron Phillips who pastors a, a Pentecostal, it's a spirit-filled Baptist church in Chattanooga called Abba's House, and he and I are friends, and he was telling me a story about a guy by the name of Charles Carran. Charles Carran was a Baptist guy who was visiting an inmate in prison 
And as he's visiting this inmate in prison, this inmate prays for him. And Charles Carr, this Baptist guy, is filled with the Holy Spirit. It messed up his life and wrecked his ministry. He had to leave the Baptist church. So Ron is telling me about this guy and how there's an anointing of the Holy Spirit on him. And uh, he said, matter of fact, the other day, I, he just hugged me. And I just felt things breaking off, falling off just from hugging me. So I said to him, I said, I want to meet him. He lived in South Florida, and I lived in Florida at the time. And, and so we arranged a meeting at a, at a Friday's restaurant over on the coast in South Florida. So we're having lunch, and it's amazing to me the whole time we're having lunch, these people come up to him because he eats there all the time, and they'd ask him to pray. He wouldn't just say, oh, I'll pray for you. He'd just stop right there and pray. We couldn't eat because he'd just get interrupted for people to come by, and he'd pray for them. So as we come to the conclusion of our, of our meal together, I said, now, Charles, before we leave, I want you to pray for me. So now, here's what we did. I'm embarrassed to tell you the story now, but I didn't think anything about it at the time. Here's what we did. We went out to the car in the parking lot. I don't know why we did this. Got in the back seat. Now, and now this is the funny part. I might as well just tell you. And he takes my hand. So you got two grown men sitting in the back seat of a car in a parking lot holding hands. Good Lord Almighty. <laughs> okay. And here's what he says to him. He, he, he offended me. He offended me. Bless God, I'm a Pentecostal. I know about God. I know about the Holy Ghost. I know about it all. I'm Pentecostal. Don't forget that now. And here's what he says. He says, now when I pray for you, I don't want you to say one word. He said, you Pentecostals, you don't know how to receive. You want to be saying, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, or speaking in tongues or something. He said, but when I pray for you, I don't want you to say one word. It kind of made me mad. Bless God, this is new for you. I'm a veteran in this thing. But I went this far, holding hands with a grown man in the backseat of a parking lot car. So now watch this. Now here, I'm, I'm telling this story. It's a little bit humorous. True, but it's a little bit humorous because I want you to get this. And I didn't say one word. I just listened. And I just received one of the most profound spiritual experiences of my life because probably, maybe, for one of the first times, I shut up and listened. Here's what I want to ask you to do. For the next seven days, ask the Father to speak to you and then be quiet in his presence and see what he says. Now, here's what I'll tell you. I'm, I'm, I'm a classical Pentecostal. I've done most of all of it, and I have certainly seen just about all of it. But for me, God tends to speak in a still, small voice that if I'm not listening to hear, I miss it. I want to show you what happened when Jesus' first prayer recorded in Luke at his baptism. The Father spoke. And it's important what he said and when he said it. He said, 
Jesus is fixing to go from the Jordan River baptism into the wilderness to be tested the enemy for 40 days. Spiritual warfare like you and I will never face. So here's what the Father does. The Father speaks to him a word of affirmation. You are my beloved Son. In you I am well pleased. Now here's this is important. He speaks that word of affirmation before he, Jesus goes into the wilderness for warfare. Every spiritual attack in your life has a measure of accusation to it. If you look at the warfare of Jesus in the wilderness with the enemy, he accuses him, if you be. Are you the Son of God? Every spiritual attack has an element of accusation. So the Father knows that Jesus is going to be accused in the spiritual warfare in the wilderness. So before he gets into the wilderness, here's what he does. He speaks of word of affirmation. Here's the principle. The affirmation of the Father is greater than the accusation of the enemy. Did you get that? In prayer... Jesus hears the Father say an affirming, confirming word. You are my son uh, whom I love. In you I'm well pleased. He gets affirmed by the Father in prayer so that when he gets attacked by the enemy in the wilderness, he is not moved because before the accusation of the enemy was the affirmation of the Father. Here's what I'm telling you. In the next seven days, if you'll say, Father, speak to my life, he'll speak to those things in your life that you've been battling for so long and you've not had the victory. I'm telling you, one word of affirmation from the Father in prayer will overcome every word of accusation against your life in a time. Do you see that? So what are we going to do for seven days starting tomorrow? It may be in the morning. It may be in the afternoon. It may be at night. But sometimes starting tomorrow, we're going to pray, and we're going to pray these three things. We're going to say, God, give me an open heaven over my life, over my family, over my ministry. I want you to bless me, God. I want you to bless my life. I want you to bless my spouse. I want you to bless my children. I want you to bless my ministry. Oh, God, I need and I want an open heaven. You have not because you ask not. Now, I know it may be a stretch for you. You've never been told to pray that way. And now, that's the only way you're praying forever you got a problem. But I'm telling you for the next seven days, I believe the Father says, I want to bless some of the people here in this southwest region of Virginia, and I've sent you by there to tell them that if they'll ask me, I'll do it. If they'll ask me, I'll do it. If they'll say, bless me, I'll bless them. Some of you want the blessings of God, but you're not just said, Lord, bless me. Give me an open heaven. Oh, you sense the Lord? I want you to think right now what area of your life you need him to bless. For some of you, it's your body. 
Some of you need a physical touch of the Lord. I want you in just a moment to say, God, I want you to give me an open, open heaven over my body. I want you to bless my body. I'm tired of being sick. I'm tired of being frail. I'm tired of being weak. I want you to bless me as Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals. Maybe you need him to bless your finances. Maybe you need him to, to bless you. You, you, just, you need him to touch your finances. And as you begin to say, God, bless my finances, here's what he may do. He may convict you about not tithing. He may, he may lead you into giving. He may speak to you about something in your life. But here's what I know. If you want him to bless your finances, just say, God, give me an open heaven over my finances. Maybe you're in a relationship with a spouse or with your children or with another brother or sister. And I mean, it's strained. It's not fun. It's not good. And the truth is, you don't know what to do. Here's what I know. When you don't know what to do, he always knows what to do. And why don't you just say, God, I need you to bless a relationship in my life and just tell him which one it is. Listen, you've been fretting about it and worrying about it and fussing about it and talking about it and getting everybody's opinion about it. Why don't you just say for the next seven days, God, give me an open heaven over the relationships of my life. Holy Spirit, bless my relationships. I don't know what it is. Come on, stand with me all over the church right now. Just we're going to do this together right now. Come on. I don't know what it is that you want him to bless, but you know what it is that you want him to bless. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to join with me, and I have a sense. Now, listen, I have a strong sense in my spirit that there are some of you that will see a major turnaround in the life of your children if you'll quit preaching at them and start praying for them. And when you pray, you've got to pray a specific kind of prayer. Don't Listen, don't do what us preachers do. In our final prayer, we re-preach our, our whole sermon in the final prayer just to make sure you get it. Don't do that. Oh my goodness. When you pray for them, call their name and say, God, bless what a, bless my son. Bless my daughter. Because it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. Bless. Maybe it's a relationship. God, an open heaven. I want you to bless. I don't know what you want him to bless. Right now, I want you just to do that with me. We're going to start it right now. We're going to ask God to give us an open heaven and to bless. What, what, if, what, what, I mean, what area of your life do you want God to bless tonight? Think about it. What area of your life do you want God to bless tonight? That's what we're going to ask him for an open heaven for. But we're not going to just ask him tonight. We're going to ask him tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. And for seven days, we're going to say, God, and listen, when you ask what you're doing is you're not just demonstrating need, you're declaring faith. Are you ready? Get in your mind what it is you want God to bless, what area of your life. Don't embarrass yourself, but if you can, out loud, just begin to, we're going to pray all over this church. Father God, I join with this people tonight in following the pattern of Jesus' first recorded prayer in Luke 3. When the heaven opened, we ask you for an open heaven over our life. God, there's some that are asking for you to bless their family. There's some that are asking you for an open heaven over the life of their children, their sons, their daughters. There's some that are asking for an open heaven over their marriages and spouses. There's some that are asking for an open heaven over their finances. I don't know what they're praying for, but God, whatever 
their area of life is that they need you to bless right now as they begin to pray. I'm believing God according to the, to the principle of your word. You will give them an open heaven. You will bring heaven to earth in their life. Come on, come on, come on, keep doing it. God bless, give me an open heaven over my life. Give me an open heaven over my family. Give me an open heaven over my ministry. Give me an open heaven over my church. Give me an open heaven over my body, my finance, whatever. God bless. Since his presence, I can't rush this. I tell you, the Lord, right now, this is what you need to pray every day for the next seven days. An open heaven. Blessing. 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 All right, now look at me. Here's the second thing. We're going we're to do it tonight. We're going to practice it tonight. Then starting tomorrow, we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. I don't know that he's going to come in bodily form like a dove and rest upon you like he did Jesus, but here's what I know. He'll come. Matter of fact, I'll tell you this. It will not surprise me if some of you who have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, as you begin to ask the Holy Spirit to come, you may be baptized at home. You may be baptized at work. You may be baptized in your car. You, you might even be baptized in church. But here's what I know. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, if you'll ask Him, the Bible says, if you as earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? So here's what we're going to do. We're just going to say, Holy Spirit, I need you. I want you come Holy Spirit there are some of you that have had the experience of being baptized but the truth is you're not full how do you know you're not full two things number one there hasn't been the release of the Holy Spirit in tongues in your life in a long time number two there hasn't been manifestation of ministry and miracles in a present-day deal. Every time you talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, it's about what he did yesterday, last week, last month. I'm telling you, he's not just a God of yesterday. He's a God of today. He wants to come in his spirit and his power. He wants to anoint and infill. He wants to baptize you with his presence today. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to say, come Holy Spirit. Come however you want to. Touch my life, to send my life, feel my life. Come, Holy Spirit. Are you ready? Do you remember they were praying on Acts chapter 2 when he came on the day of Pentecost? You know that? They were praying. I believe there's a pattern. You want him to come, pray. Here's what I'm telling you. I don't know how he'll manifest himself, but I promise you in the name of Jesus, we'll have a revival of being a Pentecostal spirit-filled church when we as the people of God begin to pray for the Holy Spirit to come in his fullness and power. We won't have it till then, but if we'll pray that way, I promise you it could start in southwest Virginia in this region that we experience a revival in the church of God in Virginia and the church God across this nation, it might become as a result of what we're praying tonight. Are you ready? How many want the Holy Spirit to come? It's going to be real simple. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy 
Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Now the last thing, the third thing, here it is. Here's the third one. We're going to ask the Father to speak, and we're going to be quiet, give him a chance. He won't, he listen, he'll not overspeak you to be heard. You have to be listening to hear. Listening to hear. Let me tell you what happens when you give him a chance to, to speak. He gives you whatever word you need when you need it because he knows what it is that you need before you need it. There are some of you that are facing, listen, watch this, now watch this. Accusation always leads to condemnation. But there are some of you that are, are being under attack of the enemy, accusing you, and you're battling condemnation. And as the Father speaks, his word of affirmation is going to silence the accusation of the enemy. And listen, it's going to happen as you pray. It's going to happen just you and God. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to invite the Father to speak to us. Matter of fact, we're not going to do it a minute, but we're going to stand 30 seconds in silence. I know where I'm at tonight, all right? Now listen to me. I want to come back here because I really feel like there's some, some younger people that need to hear this, some younger people, all right? So I want you, I want you to tell listen. 30 seconds. We're going to be quiet in his presence. We're going to practice this tonight. 30 seconds. We're going to tell the Father we want him to speak to us. 30 seconds. We'll be quiet in his presence. Oh, my goodness. Father, we want you to speak to us tonight. We need to hear from you what you want to say to us. So we stand in your presence. In Jesus' name, in his presence. Hallelujah. Mm. Thank you, Father. 30 seconds. Thank you, Father. Matter of fact, this is, this is going to be so important. You need to start praying with a pen and piece of paper close by so you can record what the Father speaks to your heart. For the next seven days, I won't, I'm not going to ask you. I won't know. But for the next seven days, when you leave, this, when you leave tonight, the significance of this service is not just what happens in here. But I'm going to ask every person, regardless of your age, just to take one of these. And for the next seven days, this, is, this will be a transforming time. It's going to be a time of God getting you ready for the next season. 
the next phase of your life and ministry. Hallelujah. Do you sense his presence right here? Lift your voice and start giving the Lord thanks. Just start blessing him. Lord, I bless what you're doing right now. I bless who you are and I bless what you're doing right now. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. I'm not, I don't want to take a lot of time to this. I just feel such a constraint of the Holy Spirit. If you're here tonight and you say, Bishop, I just need God to do a major miracle in my life. I'm not going to take a lot of time. Just move. Step out where you are. Come and step out.